1: And we are back. Justin Kenner. Give me a follow on Twitter at 1410kenner, K-I-N-N-E-R. I know the phone lines are full, but we'll get your reaction, of course, on Twitter at 1410kenner, i uh, I'm getting flooded uh, with emails. Who the hell emails anymore? Like, I literally, I keep getting, like, my phone vibrating. I look down. I'm thinking it's like a text. I think it's like uh, some social media. And it's, it's all these inboxes of people just pissed off But I had the nerve to say that I don't think people are overreacting. I mean, I think the toilet paper thing's kind of weird, but, I mean, I don't think that people are wrong for saying, hey, I don't want to get something that could potentially kill me. I mean, come on now. We'll get into that coming up around the corner. All right, let's bring on our friend James Rapine from 92.3, the fan in Cleveland. Hey, what's, what line is he even on? on line three. Line three. Line three it is. James, how are you? You better not be passing any kind of sickness through the phone right now.
0: I hope I'm not, man. I'm good. How
1: are you? <laughs> not bad at all, man. Wanted to bring you on just because right now we're. I don't. How? What's it like in Cleveland right now? Are people? I mean, I feel here in Dayton, you have the Flyers who are number three in the country, and people are just so crazy about college basketball right now. There's really no like juices flowing for the Reds. You lived in Cincinnati, you know how crazy Reds fans can get. There's like no juices flowing for the Reds right now. What's it like in Cleveland? I know things are kind of iffy just with Lindor and stuff. But what's the fans? Like, what are the fans like in Cleveland right now as we get ready uh, for the 2020 season?
0: Yeah, from a, uh, an Indian's perspective, I think they're apathetic to a certain degree because it, it feels like it's inevitable that Francisco Lindor and the Indians are going to part ways. Uh, you, you saw the, the report yesterday about Francisco Lindor kind of breaking off contract extension talks, and, and that, that was not a surprise. I mean, I, I think that, that the surprise would be if they were ever close on a long-term extension uh, or, or if they got a deal done. Uh, And and I think right now Indians fans are just kind of looking at it, and it it seems like it's inevitable that Francisco Lindor, whether it's at the trade deadline, whether it's next season, is going to be traded uh, and and end up playing elsewhere regardless um, of what kind of negotiations they have.
1: If this and if if he goes, what's the direction of the franchise in regards to? I mean, look, you're going to lose Francisco Lindor, you lost Kluber, uh, you know, obviously, you know, and Trevor Bauer. Those are three ginormous names that this club has lost. And are they? Are they? Is the sense that the rebuild button's about to be pushed? And what does that mean for Tito?
0: No, I, I don't think so. I, I think what the the Indians have done, and they kind of pivoted last winter, and, and shed payroll, and, and kind of got they got younger, and, and kind of moved. Towards the new generation, um, but no, they want to avoid any kind of rebuild. And I, I think that they've done a good job of adding uh, cheap talent. You know, younger talent. Fernando Reyes comes to mind uh, as a guy they've added. That Jose Ramirez is under contract for a while. You got Mike Clevenger, Shane Bieber. So I think what they're trying to do is pivot before uh, you know they they couldn't pay a Trevor Bauer, get something for him, which Reyes was involved in that deal. Uh, They might have held on to Kluber too long, but they didn't know that that injury was going to happen, so you you move off of his money, and I think they want to avoid bottoming out and kind of doing what the Reds did, which was holding on too long back Mm -hmm. in 2014 to that old roster, uh, because that that cost them for about five years, and and, and we're seeing kind of the, uh, the end of that, them coming out of it in Cincinnati.
1: And we all know how difficult it can be when you have managers who look who have, a lot, who have a lot of pull. Uh, but do you sense that there could be, could it lead to a strain if the Indians can't get something done with Lindor between themselves and Tito moving forward? I'm, I'm doing that thing that the media loves to do where they stir the pot, you know. But no, I am curious yeah. about those things because we know how egos and stuff can, can be crushed to these. And if Tito really wants Lindor for the future and the Indians from a business perspective can't seem to get it done, could that lead to a potential strain there?
0: I think obviously he would love to have Francisco Lindor, but he also knows the reality and he knows the constraints that that front office is operating in and and, and how they have to manage things and how they have to operate. I don't like it. I've, I've said multiple times, I think that they, with a $120 million payroll, if they've spent $35 million on Francisco Lindor per year, they could make that work because Chris Antonetti, the Indian president, might turn off the general manager. They're that good at their job. I think they could do that. Uh, and build around Lindor and be really, really competitive. Uh, but, no, I, I don't think that there's a rift there with Terry Francona. I think he understands um, the, the issue, I guess, if you, you want to say that, with managing in Cleveland, and it is that you're, you're balling on a budget to an extent. But uh, at the same time, given what he dealt with at the end in Boston and given what he dealt with, in Philadelphia, I think he, he likes where he's at, especially at this stage of his career.
1: I like what you said balling with the budget. I'm going to steal that. I'm writing that down <laughs> as we speak. Balling with the budget and the Cleveland Indians story of 2020. Now, with that being said, you know, I'm one with the Reds, too. Like, I know everyone gets, like, infatuated with, like, the Bryce Harpers of the world and having to pay them, like, 300 million and 350. Million, and you got Trout making 400 million and Machado, 300 million last year. I would never be a fan of a contract like that ever for a team. I don't care if the Reds have a chance to get one of the best players of all time. I would be a huge, uh, you know, I would be against it completely. Watching what the Reds have done and reconstructing their roster, I, I'm a big fan of putting together a roster with 10 to 15 million a year guys. Like, I believe you could build a good play. And the Reds are doing that. Uh, and that could be where the Indians are saying, too, like, we love Lindor. We would love to give you that type of money. But we can get probably two or three solid pieces for the price of keeping you. And I think you're going to see that pattern developing more throughout baseball.
0: I'm with you, uh, and the, the only argument against signing Frankie, I can't hear the, we can't afford him, I can listen to really? these contracts, don't work. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there's two different things here, because they, they, the money is there. I mean, they're a professional baseball team. Anyone can afford it. <laughs> they, they spent $35 million on Corey Kluber and Jason Kipnis last year. Like So they can do that, but... I get them saying, well, this isn't in our best interest from a baseball standpoint. And that's the argument I'll, I'll hear. And, and I, I get it. And, but I, I will say, and we could tie it to the Reds here, everyone says, oh, that Votto deal was bad. It was uh-huh. bad because the Brandon Phillips deal was bad and because Homer Bailey was bad. You know, if, if they get those contracts right or just don't sign those guys, we could be looking at a completely different story here with that Votto extension. So I, I do think that that plays a part, too, is – the front office decisions and what you decide to do around that contract. Like a lot of those big-name contracts and big-time contracts, they were with bad franchises, the Angels, right? You know, with uh, Albert Pujols, um, Manny Machado with the Padres. So I think the Indians could maneuver uh, for Francisco Lindor and make it work, but I would say that it would be the exception, not the
1: yeah, it's going to be interesting, nonetheless, and in how all that pans out. But, uh, but yeah, and of course, we go back to the very beginning of the offseason when the when the rumors started picking up about the Reds and the Indians as far as Lindor goes. I don't know where the Reds are as far as that's concerned. You have Nick Senzel, who's still just barely coming back off an injury. I don't know what his stock is like. If a deal gets done, and I'm not talking about the Reds, but a deal for the Indians gets done, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Trade deadline, or is he gone before the season starts? What are you? What's your gut telling you?
0: Uh, I, I think... Most likely would be next off season.
1: Next off season, but, okay.
0: the, but the trade deadline is in play, and here's why: if the Indians get off, and they're used to getting off the slow starts, if they're around 500, kind of a borderline wildcard borderline playoff team, which are kind of projected to be anyways, if that's where they are before the deadline, I mean, we're talking about a team that traded Trevor Bauer before the deadline no last kidding. year, you know, and so they will not be afraid to listen to offers and make the move and, and I, I do think that there could be there weren't, weren't desperate teams like the Reds weren't desperate they inquired but they weren't desperate to trade for Francisco Lindor this off season. Uh, the Dodgers same thing they weren't desperate uh, so I think that you could have a desperate team and I, when I do look at the Reds and I look at Freddie Galvis man they, they don't really have anyone behind him so I could totally see the Reds being in it and saying alright let's pull the trigger here let's get aggressive let's go get Francisco Lindor uh, that being said I, I don't think the indians are going to budge much on their asking price so they they want a haul in return and, and i think if they get that haul at the deadline depending on where they are in the standings that that ideal could happen
1: all right james Rapine, ninety two to the fan uh, uh from Cleveland with us here on the Kenner and Slummer Show. We'll transition over uh, to the Cleveland Browns real quick as I said you know i I don't like mature Baker mayfield he's kind of boring i I wish obj would be creating a little chaos they're both kind of boring right now, like come on like I'm like, okay, the last interesting story was the Cheesecake factory, and it's been silence ever since then like they need to i, I don't like you know people get you know, people say oh those guys are just they're, they're the worst all they do is care about themselves, they want all the attention on that well now they're being quiet, and I'm like, well, I kind of miss the chaos." A little bit. Let's talk about the chaos, though, with the roster reconstruction. I kind of like that they're not blowing this roster up on the as far as the offense goes, but the defense, I mean, uh, you know, you're know, you missing out some key pieces right now defensively. I'm not freaking out yet about the names leaving. I'm only going to freak out if they pull the Bengals and have names leaving and not replacing them with names coming in. What's your vibe of what's going on in Cleveland right now for the Browns? Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm with you. I, I, and I, I think Andrew Barry knows that he's going to have to be aggressive in free agency here because they do have the pieces uh, to potentially make the playoffs for the first time since '02, They have a lot of the, the foundation in place. That being said, you, you're going to go out, you're gonna have to get a couple linebackers. You, you're going to have to add a, a proven offensive lineman, at least one in free agency, before the draft. Everyone's focused on the draft, and I'm like, eh, it's a crap shoot. You know, we've seen it with the Bengals, drafting first-round offensive linemen. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. So you've you got to be aggressive in free agency, and I think uh, they're going to make some more moves. Obviously, you saw... Uh, Christian Kirksey today, who I actually think would be a good fit for the Bengals. Uh, They moved on from him. They're not expected to re-sign Joe and I think they're going to move on from Olivier Vernon as well. So they're going to have money. They're going to have cap space to go out, be aggressive and add, especially on that defensive side of the ball and in the trenches on offense. And if they can do that, you know, I I think that they're going to be more buttoned up under Kevin Stefanski. You're going to complain about them being a little more boring, but I I think boring is kind of what they need at this stage, dial things back and be focused because they, they certainly have a lot of talent, especially on offense.
1: Baker Mayfield getting a statue. I said that earlier, and I swear Bengals fans about killed me. I said, relax. The Browns. I can't believe the Browns are doing a statue. I'm like, would you relax? The Browns are dumb, and they ain't that dumb. Talking about Oklahoma here. But I tell you what, there's very few names in the world that will just trigger people around here, and Baker Mayfield's name, man, that just gets people fired up. But Baker Mayfield getting a statue, I can't tell you how many times that's probably going to be vandalized. I just have a bad feeling about how that's going to go.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's cool that Oklahoma does that for all of its Heisman trophy winners and to keep Lincoln Riley there, man, they're gonna have a lot of a lot of new statues over the next decade. I mean we saw Kyler Murray as well win the Heisman. So it's uh it's cool. I think it's a a, a really good honor. Um, and heck, R G three has a statue of the yep. U.S. you know, so what you did in college. Matters and, and, and whether we, we like it or not, depending, it doesn't ra- really matter what he does in the pros. He deserves to be honored for what he did at Oklahoma. So I, I like that they're doing it.
1: All right. Well, James repeat 92 3, the fan of Cleveland. James, thanks for being patient with me. Uh, just a sure. lot going on now, as I'm sure it is, with you over in Cleveland. So thanks so much, man. It was great hearing from you. Yep. I appreciate it, Justin. Take care. All right, there he is. We'll have that interview up on the website later. Again, just wanted to touch base with him. We had to move him up quick again. Uh, Just he had something that's breaking in Cleveland that he had to get to to cover. So we moved him up to be able just to touch on what's going on with the Indians and Francisco Lindor. That was supposed to be an interview later in the show. So I apologize that we had to move that up, but we had to get that in. And uh, we'll have that up on the website at wingam.com. And again, talking Baker Mayfield, talking the Browns, their potential, uh, you know, what their goal is is we headed to free agency and heading to the NFL draft. We have all that coming up that we'll get into later on in the show but man what this stuff's go, this stuff's crazy right now going on the OA, you know in the middle of opening up the show talking about how the Ivy League is is handling the coronavirus you know situation the outbreak and how they're trying to stay ahead of it now you have the players and the coaches who are starting this huge petition to counter the Ivy League to get the conference tournament back. And how pissed do you have to be if you're the two teams that have already been told you're the auto bid to the NCAA tournament? And now this petition's going, and now you might actually have to play again to try to win it all over. This whole thing's a mess. But the OHSA comes out. They release a statement saying that there's going to be a press conference with Jerry Snodgrass on Thursday. And it's interesting because they come out and basically announce that, look, there's going to be some fans in attendance, but it is not going to be student sex. It's going to be like re- you know close relatives, and that's it. I mean, that's devastating. You talk about the state tournament. In fact, uh, Keith Byers, who's on hold, we're going to get to him coming back. I'm curious. He's played in Super Bowls, all right? He's played in Rose Bowls. He's played in state basketball and football tournament in championship games. Can you imagine playing in those events with no fans? We'll get to that when we come back.